Support for Lilo comes from listeners like you who are masking up, washing their hands, and looking out for one another. Sunday. Sunday. Welcome back to Sunday Groove, episode 26. I'm your host, David Sunday. I know it's been a while since my last episode. Went through some time I didn't have a lot of motivation or ideas for episodes, but I'm back with tons of ideas. Several episodes already getting planned, so I think I can get back to once a month. So if you've been here the whole time, I appreciate it. Thank you for listening. If you're new to this, It's always me talking music with somebody. This month, I'm going to bring back, or I did bring back, a friend of mine, Andy Helene, who also edits my podcast. You're not going to hear him respond quite yet, because this is a new intro. The actual file got, well, it didn't get damaged, it just didn't record well. And I pressed record late. So this little intro is just me. But very soon, you'll hear him as well. Anyway... First segment of my show is always current spins. It's just whatever I've been listening to, what I've been really jamming to, and really enjoying. If it was a CD, it'd be spinning, hence the name. Anyway, this episode is mainly going to be new stuff. So in just a second, you'll hear Andy talk. So without further ado, here's the episode. So my first one is actually a band that I just found out about a few days ago. I had lunch at a buddy's house, and he has a stack of cassettes. And I thought this was an old band, and I'm like, hey, like that looks like a cool cassette. And it's a band called Haunt, and they've got like uh, – like I guess their artwork was cool, so it stood out. And I thought it was like an older band because, you know, it's a cassette. <laughs> yeah. I didn't realize there's like a, like a huge trend in uh, putting out cassettes – so the band's called Haunt, and they've only been around for like three years on the West Coast. And uh, you, um, being a metal f- uh, fan, uh, you actually might like this band. They kind of sound like that. Um, I think it's new uh, wave of British heavy metal. They kind of sound like that influence. Uh, uh, so like I guess the kind of genre that inspired Metallica, you know, Diamond Head and stuff. So they're kind of modern version of that. Sweet. How is the vocalist? Is it um, like screaming or is it uh, singing or how would you describe it? Um, It's actually singing. Like, yeah, like it okay. sounds like, I guess what they say, clean vocals. Like there's no like uh, cookie monster um, <laughs> uh, growling. Because I first heard the guitars and I was like, oh, my God, this sounds cool. But I hope they don't ruin it with some kind of uh, cookie monster growl. Because I can't really stand that stuff anymore. Like I think I got old and I got lame. <laughs> but uh but yeah like so yeah the vocals are pretty clean awesome yeah i'll check it out then i i know i'm very picky on my metal because i, I don't like the cookie monster thing and 
<clears throat> where I'll still listen to some bands that do the random screams throughout it, it can really take me out of stuff sometimes if it's like just for no reason. It's just their gimmick, I guess. Yeah. So that was um, so. So like, what's yours uh, then? What's your <laughs> mine? Thing? Could not be anything. Uh, couldn't be more different. But um, uh, Taylor Swift just like dropped an album out of nowhere a week or two ago. Um, yeah. Called Folklore, isn't it? And I think that's right. Mm-hmm. I'm a really good host. I remember everything. <laughs> I second <laughs> guess myself. But my favorite song off it so far um, is the one Exile. It's got um, Bon Iver or Bon Iver. I don't know how you pronounce his name. Um, but it's just a beautiful song. Um, and it's very folksy and just very scaled back because, you know, she's gone way more pop in recent years. And like you can still hear the instruments in some of the songs, but. A lot of them are more focused on kind of modern pop sound, but not not this album. Most of it is kind of scaled back, which I guess is why the name is what it is. Um, but yeah, that song is a gorgeous song and one I've listened to a ton. Hmm. See, like, I don't know how I feel about that album yet. I think I like her pop stuff. So I, I, I don't know. I think this album just going to take a while to grow on me, but I'm glad you like it. Cool. So, so you like did a find lot it. of people like it. Yeah. So you did finally listen to it? I wasn't sure if you yeah, had Yeah, I listened to it a few songs. And I guess I wasn't in the right frame of mind. Like I was on a car uh, trip. Like I was driving. Mm. And I'm like, hey, this would be a good time to kind of sit with this album. But then I got bored. So I went back to Lover from last year because I need something more um, uh, upbeat, I guess. Right. And then I okay. went back to this again. And I think it's just going to something that's going to have to grow on me. But, right. Yeah, it's not it's not one I could I don't think I could drive with this one a whole lot unless it's a short trip and I just need to kind of chill on my short trip. But if I'm like on a long ride, I want energy. I want, um, you know, either like some metal or just something, um, I don't know, just something rocking and something or even poppy. Like just I, I want the energy and this this one has energy, but it's, it's very different though. I, I get it. I I, I don't I can't imagine listening to this on a long drive. I tried that with um, Mumford and Sons years ago, and it just just wasn't good road music for me yeah <laughs> you're like i want something where i guess i can like put the put the pedal to the floor right <laughs> have you ever gotten a speeding ticket for um listening to metal or any kind of like hard rock oh my god <laughs> um <laughs> it wasn't metal but i actually did get my first speeding ticket ever uh 2005 I got, uh, I was, cause I just got off the interstate and was going on some little back road to my parents' house. And, uh, I was listening to 30 seconds to Mars, which sounds like <laughs> something that you probably wouldn't be speeding to, but it was like, uh, they had just put out the album that I guess broke them, uh, that, um, can't think of the name of it now. Okay. A yep. beautiful, a beautiful lie. I think that sounds I right. Think I want to say not to be a hipster, but it came out in 05, but it didn't really break them into mainstream until like a year later when they put out their third or fourth single or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I bought it like right when it came out and I was like, man, this is awesome. And then all of a sudden I look up and like whoop, see the lights and stuff. <laughs> yeah, I was just curious because I know I've been pulled over twice because of heavy metal, but the time I actually got a speeding ticket um for speeding or well, for speeding yes yeah, speeding ticket for speeding um i was rocking out to creed i was singing and drumming on the steering wheel and uh 
yeah, I remember when I got pulled over, I was just like, man, I wish it could have been like, you know, something like Metallica or something that I was listening to, but nope, it was um, something off Weathered because um, I had just seen Creed on that reunion tour. So I was going back through all their albums. But anyway, my point point being is just, I noticed my tendency, at least for a while there, if I was listening to hard rock or metal, I would be speeding. Um, it wasn't and, like fuel, I guess. No, no. Yeah. <laughs> that would that would have made more sense. Um, so uh, what else do you have that you've been listening to? Um, one other one, I guess I'm going to give a shout out to my buddy's band, The Great Affairs. They've put out a new uh, single online, and it's awesome. It's called Livia. And they've got a new album coming out, I think the uh, 1st of October. And I think you would actually dig this song. So, yeah, I guess I wanted to give them a shout out because this song is awesome. And it's called Olivia? Uh, Olivia. L-Y-V-I-A. Okay. Yeah, I'll look them up. I've, I've dug a lot of their stuff. Um, I didn't have a clue they had new stuff out. So, yeah. Well, I, well yeah, because I guess because they're not huge, they, they don't show up on my Spotify uh, recommended stuff so that's how and i guess maybe i don't follow them i thought i did follow them apparently i don't um i need to change that um on social media i think you would really dig this song because it sounds a little bit more like poppy uh like kind of early 80s pop rock oh Something like i think you would dig this song nice well my um i have several just quick mentions um uh, about a year, yeah, a little over a year ago, I saw uh, the singer Lights in concert. Um, mm-hmm. Really cool show. She did an acoustic, uh, all acoustic show. But I, I was introduced to a singer songwriter, Tilly, just T I L L I E. Um, but she has a new song called The Heart. And it's just a good um, positive pop song that I like. It's catchy. And I liked it because it was different. Because, like, I admire her as a singer songwriter, but like a lot of her stuff is like really pissed off and like just. And she has good reason to be very pissed off about um, a lot of things she's shared in her music. But it was just, I don't know, it was kind of cool to hear a different side of her, I guess I should say. Um, and then, while well, speaking of lights, uh, she has a new, I guess you'd call it an EP. Um, it's uh, with this DJ Myth, um, but it's, the song I really dig is called Dead End. It's an electropop song. It's very energetic. It's not something I go to a whole lot, but it's, it's a fun, a fun listen, depending on the mood I'm in, if I need energy and, um, <laughs> I'm weird. Sometimes heavy metal gives me anxiety. Uh, most of them it doesn't, but occasionally it does. Like, I guess if I'm rushing or am I I'm running behind or whatever, I don't need that kind of energy. I need <laughs> something a little more mellow and, um, poppy. So that's when I go to, uh, like the electro pop or, um, hollow notes or something like that. Um, but then there's also a new song from Incubus uh, called Our Love, and hmm. I like it a lot. It's probably a little poppier than a lot of people will like, but I like it better than the last couple songs I've heard from them, and it was just nice to have a new song from them. Um, so I've had it on a couple of my playlists, because um, not to dive at all in, big into this at all, but the biggest thing I've done during um, the last few months is a lot of gaming outside of work. Um, and so I have my Spotify playing during my video games because you can sync up your PS4 and your um, phone. And so I have just done a ton and ton of listening and um, 
listened to a ton of different bands during that, and I remember Our Love popping up, and so I just keep that on a regular playlist. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. I want to say they did put out like an EP, five-song EP back in the spring. Oh, did they really? I think that was on that. Yeah. Okay. Um, I'll have to look them up again because I... I think I was it was like Trustfall or something. Oh, no, that's that's been a while back. That was a few years ago. Um, hmm. They might have done a new version of Trustfall or something, but yeah, Trustfall was... Um, I don't know what year that was, maybe 2014. Yeah, because I think they said that that was side A, so this was Trustfall side B. Oh, okay, okay. Sorry, yeah, not <laughs> sorry for correcting you, but yeah, that, that's probably what it is because I knew side A was has been a while back. Um, but uh, yeah, that's exactly what this is. And Andy's right, I'm wrong. Um, yeah, so the earlier song was like Into the Summer, and I wasn't as big into that one, but. Our love is the newest one, and it's. I'm digging it. Wow, you just introduced me to something I thought I knew about and didn't. So I'm going to listen uh, to that later. Yeah, I'm um, uh, actually getting a cut of Incubus's uh, royalties now. <laughs> um, and so then just to have two last ones. Um, there's a new version of Tom Petty. Uh, it's called the home recording of "You Don't Know How It Feels." And it's just him um, doing that song, and that that was pretty chill. And uh, oh, really? Huh. Mm-hmm. Let's check that out. Yeah, that I think that just came out this week. Um, they're they're teasing some more uh, wildflowers, kind of B sides or whatever. And so I'm pretty excited about that because I love wildflowers. Um, like I yeah, love. Yeah, I had heard back that when he was touring in that year that he passed away. Uh, he was working on like an expanded, like a, I don't know, like a double uh, disc version of that or something. Oh, nice. So, so it's finally going to come out then maybe I'm guessing. Um, yeah. It, um, Cause they were, they were teasing at least one other song um, from the sessions that definitely wasn't on the album. And like, I love all Tom Petty pretty much, but like I loved seventies Tom Petty and then like late eighties, early nineties Tom Petty are like my favorite um, so I think wildflowers is like 94. So that's right there in that sweet spot. Yeah. 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 That was like a solo one, I think. Right. It yes, was like yeah. just under Tom Petty without the heartbreakers, but right, I think they yeah. still play on it though. It's very bizarre to me. Um, all of his solo albums are at least the first two. Cause his first one was the one that had free falling on it. Um, back in 1989. And, um, he still usually collaborates with the same people, but I think the songwriting is done a little different. Maybe where they're more collaborators on the other ones, but maybe he's kind of telling them what to do on the solo. I don't, yeah. I don't really completely understand it. Um, but yeah, he, he typically still uses most of the same guys, but there's definitely a different vibe almost always in the solo stuff. Yeah. Cause yeah, that white flowers, or, I mean, Wildflowers, yeah, it's pretty, like, laid back, I guess, compared to, like, I guess, like, Refugee or something like that. That's oh, not... yeah. Yeah, it's less of a driving bass and drums sound that you get on the um, Heartbreaker albums. Because um, that, that was kind of, like, their big thing um, for Heartbreaker albums. They had that sound. Um, but the last one I want to give a shout-out to is... Uh, Walking Papers. I don't remember if I've talked about them on this show or not, but they actually opened for Miles Kennedy 
uh, when I saw that show a year and a half, almost two years ago. And they are incredible. Like they are easily one of the best live bands I've ever seen. And like, I didn't know any of their music going into it either. Um, but yeah, because I was jealous that you saw that uh, a tour. And another guy I know saw like wall or I guess walking papers opening up too. Sorry to um, interject that, but I was, I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah, it was incredible. And normally I like, if I see, Oh, so-and-so's opening for uh, the band I'm going to, I'll check it out prior to it. Sometimes that's a good idea. Sometimes it's not, but this one, I just went into it cold and I was just blown away. The energy, the swagger, the just really cool stuff. I know Jeff, the lead singer is, uh, I mean, I don't know him, but he he <laughs> he um he just has a really cool vibe. Um, and anyway, they have a new song, and it's called "What Did You Expect?" Um, and it's kind of bluesy, but it's like really kind of a I, I, gosh, my words are failing me. But anyway, it's it's give it a listen. It's it's good. Uh, it's not as energetic, maybe. Or as fast as some of their other stuff, but it's it's really good. Hmm. All right. Yeah. Yeah. I actually I saw it was going to come out, or I think you told me, and then I saw Instagram posts about it, but I didn't get a chance to listen to it yet. Okay. Yeah. Definitely do. I listened to it a few times today, uh, just trying to see if I had many thoughts, and it was one of those that it's going to have to sit with me longer before I have actual spread out thoughts. Not that that's necessary. It's just normally what happens with me. Um, some things immediately strike a chord and others are like, Hey, this is really awesome, but I don't really know how to talk about it. Um, so yeah, that's pretty much, I mean, there's plenty of other new stuff I've listened to, but that's pretty much, um, what I'm going to highlight on this episode. Is there anything else that you wanted to talk about? Um, no, no, I'll keep it brief. Okay. I got a lot well, to say about the main topic. <laughs> right, like right. Bubbling over, about to explode. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to do this little intro um, to why I chose this album first um, and where I, why I wanted to start with Metallica, the Black Album. So like growing up, I grew up in a conservative Christian household um, in the South and so, like, I grew up for at least my first few years of life only hearing, like, gospel music and country music. And, like, I was pretty into country for a while there. I still stayed in some of the country before, like, <laughs> putting it away for a lot of years and only kind of rediscovering some country in modern days. But anyway, um, I had a really good buddy that introduced me to Queen. And um, that helped, like, just get me out of the country bubble and get me experiencing rock music. And so it was kind of a mixture of that. I had, it was called classic queen. It was a collection of them. Um, and hell freezes over by the Eagles. And so that was kind of like my introduction to rock. And I was starting to really dig it. Then around that time, my brother had the seventies Aerosmith collection, uh, which is called the greatest hits. And that really got me kind of, digging a little you know even to a little more heavy at times um music and then of course mtv happened and i'm always seeing inner salmon on the television and it was just <clears throat> i was a little young to fully appreciate it yet but it just 
I'm like, this is really cool. This is kind of dark and this is kind of almost a little scary to, I mean, when Inner Sandman came out, I would have been like seven or so because that album came out in 91. Um, but yeah, that's just, <clears throat> that album is such an important one to me because uh, it introduced me to a different style of music that I would just fall in love with and become obsessed with for, well, pretty much the rest of my life, but definitely in the next few years for sure. <clears throat> what's your what's your story with Black Album? Actually, pretty pretty similar to your path because um, I grew up. It wasn't totally conservative Christian, but it was a Christian household. But like like my parents weren't like, oh, you can't watch this or you can't listen to this. I guess it was just more that I was the older of two kids too, so I have a five. A year younger uh, sister so like I didn't have like an older sibling you know that you kind of look up to and you kind of are like hey yeah like what are you listening to or you're trying to like you know emulate your um, older uh, brother Uh, so so I didn't have anybody kind of to like guide me I had to figure stuff out and so I I feel like I'm kind of a late bloomer uh, with music because it wasn't till I was like a like 13 14 and I really got into rock music because before then it was like comic books and like pro wrestling and stuff. But um, so like my entry point would have been like the reload stuff, actually, like Unforgiven 2. Uh, what else was on there? Fuel. Mm-hmm. And I remember this guy, uh, this uh, kid in my neighborhood uh, that he was the one that kind of helped get me into wrestling or he was a friend I talked to about it. Well, there's one time we we're playing basketball at his house and a radio was going off in the garage. And I think like King nothing might've been on. And I'm like, Oh my God, what song is this? This is cool. So like that kind of helped. And then freshman year, the school bus, like riding the school bus, I was exposed to all these new kids from going to a Christian school, then to a public school there was a kid named Tim that was a little bit older that was on the school bus. So he kind of helped like, guide me to Metallica too. But so, yeah, roundabout kind of way. It was kind of like I got into it a little bit um, later than some kids getting into music. Right. Well, and like, I don't want to mistake, uh, misstate it. Like I heard it. I liked it, but it wasn't an immediate obsession. Like, I mean, I was seven, so it took a little while to grow with me, but my brother got it. And so I would hear the Black Album through the wall all the time. Oh, and really? <laughs> yeah. So, like, I heard the songs, and I knew a lot of the songs, but I didn't pay close attention to it immediately. It, it was probably maybe 94 or so when I got my own copy of it. Maybe that's a little—I'm not really sure. I might have had a bootleg or something because— I think my first copy of it was on CD, so that would have been a little bit later. But I definitely was able to start hearing it more around that time. And so that's definitely the first Metallica album I heard was the Black Album. And weirdly, right after that, I heard Ride the Lightning. So it was like all out of whack, all out of order. Hmm. But um, yeah, because just... didn't, we didn't have YouTube when we were kids. So it's like I, um, you really only had the radio or something. So it's like, yeah, like me going back. I was like backtracking as well, too, like. Uh, or I'd see albums in stores, and I'm like, well, which one is this? What's this one? Oh, there's lightning bolts on there. stuff. So I got to get this one now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's, um, you know, we didn't have, not at least the version we have of the internet now, we didn't have YouTube. Um, 
so there were so many albums like I missed out on until way later because of that kind of thing. Um, uh, like I, I won't go deep into it because that's a later episode, but like Reload, I remember discovering that had come out and I was just blown away. I'm like, how did I miss this? And like not even realizing at that point that I'd missed Load as well. <laughs> so it was just like, <laughs> there I was with like the Black Album and maybe Garage Inc. And then I'm like, holy crap, there's an, there's another one? Like, of the modern stuff so it was it's just mind-blowing how how cool it was to discover stuff kind of in our own time so like yeah i'm not gonna say i was like an angsty seven-year-old and like oh yeah metal 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 but it was definitely something i started to appreciate and um maybe like i said by 11 or so i started appreciating it more and then definitely um whenever i got my cd player i think that was eighth grade um, was when I started owning a lot of my own Metallica stuff and listening to that on the school bus. Um, and I would just like listen to the Black Album for just days at a time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the way I was. I think I think the Black Album was the first one that I actually purchased. But before then, I had like CD singles because most of my money went to pro wrestling stuff. So I could only afford <laughs> right. the singles when they were in the little cardboard sleeve. Yes. <laughs> or it was like cardboard and there was like, I don't know if you had these. It was like a plastic like tray in there. And the mm -hmm. CD was on the tray that would slide out. But yeah, the Black Album was the first one I bought. Nice. Yeah, I had, I had those several times. Um, I had a lot of CD singles. I had... Um, Pink by Aerosmith, uh, that single, um, which actually the B-side is actually better, uh, Taste of India. But, um, I mean, obviously not as catchy, but probably a better song. Um, but, yeah, um, I get, yeah, Black Album definitely was the first one I purchased, had to be. So, yeah. um, did you know much about it when you got it? Like, I know you said you heard it. Um, and you had a friend kind of introducing you to some of the stuff on the bus. Um, like, did you uh, no, like, um, I can't really remember. I remember the first, uh, like, I don't want to, uh, overlap too much with your, um, other, um, episodes, but like I said, my entry point was, I think King nothing and unforgiven too. Cause I remember, uh, Unforgiven like two was the first music video I saw. So yeah, I did go back and I'm like, wait, there's an Unforgiven, there's an Unforgiven two. But uh, but yeah, like uh, like I really, I really didn't know who who uh, Metallica was until yeah, I heard that song on the radio and then ask and then. But, random side note. Um... Because the lyrics in uh, Unforgiven, where you know he works in, are you Unforgiven too? I was so sad that they didn't say, are you Unforgiven three and Unforgiven three. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> it would have been so cheesy, but I was kind of like, part of me kind of wanted it. I'm like, come on, just just work it in once. Um, maybe it's like the B side of that of Unforgiven three, but come on, give me give me that. Are you Unforgiven three? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, uh, it's, I guess it might fit better if they said Unforgiven thrice, but then the song is, <laughs> is like uh, three. Right. <laughs> no, I'm just getting weird. <laughs> Are you Unforgiven Trace? Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm still waiting for Unforgiven 4 to come out. I don't, I don't know if that will ever happen. Yeah. So um, 
<laughs> I know <laughs> I, I talk about Amazon a lot and I'm not very pro Amazon. It's just something I have because of a convenience factor because I live in a kind of small town and don't have a lot of options to shop at. But it was a happy discovery yesterday that um, I found the classic albums uh, behind the scenes uh, video of the Black Album. So I watched that again last night. And um, just want to say, if if you have Amazon Prime, check that video out. Like if, if you like Metallica much at all, it'd be kind of cool to see the behind the scenes um, stuff of that album. I, I really wish it was a longer episode because I really would have loved to have seen more of the them wanting to kill each other um, that I know <laughs> took place during that album. Um, um, yeah, so did you learn anything like new? Did you get any kind of cool uh, trivia from that? Well, uh, the thing that's sticking with me the most for the second was like I knew they got mad at Bob Rock a lot who produced it. It was the first album he produced of theirs. Um, but um, the funniest thing was hearing Lars talk about that he didn't talk to Bob for like a year or so after recording that because he hated him at the end of it because um, he pushed them so hard and did the um, thing that a lot of studio um, producers did back in the day was like spend like just days and days of getting the perfect drum sound like all these different mics all these different ways you know all this different reverb or eq you could throw on it to make it sound different like he just would obsess over that and lars of course being used to playing speed metal which is a lot of you know that and thrash is what their early stuff is considered um black home's a lot slower than that stuff and so i think that was hard for lars just slowing it down Hmm. Yeah, because I did read something. I remember, I think it was a couple of years ago for Christmas, my mom got me this magazine, and it has like little like blurbs on all the um, Metallica albums, because uh, it must have came out right when Hardwired came out. So I kind of pulled that out. I thought I still had it in my closet. I pulled it out, and I didn't know this. I knew Bob Rock, yeah, was producer on that one. And the next several albums, but it said in the little article in there that they had approached him to be the engineer. He goes, no, I want to produce it. Right. And I was like, oh, oh, cool. I didn't know that. Yeah, they uh, <laughs> he said that um, they didn't know what to think of that at first. But then when he came with them, came to them with a lot of ideas because he'd seen him in concert and he was just like, this could be this is really good, but it could be better. It could be more accessible. It could be more. um you know, this could actually get played on the radio. Um, so, um, because that was a big thing that, like, Metallica didn't play on that much radio in the 80s because, I mean, they were still big, they still sold, and they could play huge shows, but, like, outside, like, your metalheads, nobody knew who they were. And so, yeah, he he went to them and was just like, hey, you know, I don't just want to engineer, I want to produce it. Um, so, yeah, I'm sure there was a lot of frustration between them all having to deal with uh, him because he was kind of he was kind of a douche like the, there was one interview and in there or not one interview one footage thing like Kirk had come up with this crazy guitar solo for wherever I may roam and um, I think it was that one if not it was Unforgiven it was one of those two and like he just crapped on it it was just like um, all right, that, that's all right but um, you know let's let's hear some guitar hero of the year uh, status um guitar solos like just pretty much saying that what he just played was crap and it, <laughs> it was it was a little overly busy it wasn't 
I don't think it would have worked as well in the like song. He's just noodling around, and Bob's like, get to the point. Come on. Kind of, sort of, yeah. Like, I mean, it was a very intricate guitar solo, but yeah, it probably fitted, would have fit more on one of their other songs. Um, but the way he did it was just kind of like, holy crap, here's this outsider just like crapping on all of our ideas. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, yeah. Um, so, yeah, that, and also, not to go too deep into it, um, James actually blew out his voice while recording the album. So he actually had to, that was the first time he took voice lessons was uh, during the making the black album. Hmm. Yeah. Cause um, well that would make kind of sense. Cause I think something in the thing I read in that um, little article, it said that he told Bob rock, he's like, I don't really know how to sing. All I do is shout or something. So uh, he had said he he had to work on his vocals for, um, I guess, nothing else matters. Like, that took the most. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, probably that and Unforgiven on the um, on the chorus and everything. Because he definitely sings uh, more melodic on both those songs. Um, but yeah, I thought that was pretty cool. I'd forgotten that fact as well. Because I was thinking he'd lost it. And he probably did again on the road. Because they toured for so long for the Black Album. But I... Um, I thought that was when he first worked with the uh, vocal coach, but no, he had done it just to repair his voice because he'd completely blown it. He said he had like the nodes and all that stuff, uh, calluses on his vocal cords. Oh, man. Yeah, that's the kind of stuff that puts singers down for a long time and usually requires surgery. Um, uh, Steven Tyler's had a lot of surgeries for that. Yeah, like I think a lot of the big ones, like I think Paul Stanley had vocal surgery, I know. Uh, too. Mm-hmm. Heck, even very different style of music, but John Mayer had to cancel his tour for um, uh, Paradise, whatever heck it was called. It was like, or no, it was the two, like 2014 album he did. It was kind of country-ish. It's hmm. like one of my least favorites of his. It's not bad per se. It's just not what I want from him typically. But anyway, I remember him being really sad like he had just released the album and then like found out that like if he continued singing he could like screw up his voice forever so he had to um either have the surgery or at least take a like a year off Hmm. and that's you know obviously not aggressive singing so i guess it can happen with any of them maybe yeah just overdoing it or like i'm doing too many shows in a row or something right put strain on it well and um like have you ever taken any kind of vocal lessons or anything andy or do you know much about singing like as far as like the the art of it like the how you're supposed to do it i think don't you come some people do it more from like their throat or something you got to do it lower from like your chest right or something from your diaphragm down almost like in your stomach uh right below your chest and i've never been good at that that's one of the reasons i blow up my voice when i sing because i really struggle like unless i'm doing like a more opera style of singing which i hate um doing <laughs> but like that i can kind of do from that but if i start singing much else it just old habits i go back to singing from my throat and yeah it kills it pretty quickly hmm. but this isn't a classical <laughs> podcast so yeah. i'll get off the technical aspects of it but so um <laughs> what are some yeah we're your... talking about metal man metal <laughs> metal <laughs> oh <laughs> but like so what are some of the tracks that you just adore off this album, like what, what kind of makes this album for you? Um, well, 
for a while, I guess, I kind of was like, eh, maybe this album's kind of boring compared to the other stuff. So I was kind of going back and forth between all the albums. But the last year or so, I really kind of like re refound this album, especially one towards the end. Uh, uh, um, it was My Friend of Misery. That song <laughs> is just like, holy cow, I love that song. It's good. Uh, oh yeah, but yeah. I, I've always loved um, the Unforgiven on there. I think, I think some of the stuff I got burnt out on was like Sad but True because you know it's always on the radio. Or if there's a go-to Metallica song playing somewhere, it seems like it's that one. See, I don't experience that as much with Sad but True. For me, it's Inner Sandman that's so overplayed that like, uh, like if I hear it live, I'll listen to it. But otherwise, I just I, I just want to move on because I've heard that one. You know ridiculous amounts of times yeah i think it was too because like i guess i haven't heard this anywhere like recently but even that said but true like kid rock used that for like American. <laughs> so it seemed like it was like at the time kind of too even way back then when i was getting into metallica it's like you had that then you had uh the american badass and it was on like wrestling at the time too so um, I don't know. I think I was overexposed to it for, um, for maybe that reason. The rest. I get that. Yeah, I definitely get that. I remember being on a. I was a college student. And I was supervising a um, youth trip with a church, and shockingly, like they were letting us listen to like the rock station, um, and um, Sabbath True came on, and the kids thought it was American Badass, and so they were like, "Why is there no singing yet?" And and I start laughing. I'm like, no, this is the good one. This is the one that actually, you know, this is the one that Kid Rock stole. Um, um this is the good one, <laughs> right? Well, I mean, I like some Kid Rock, but good lord, he he is not one of my favorite musicians by far. And so, um, yeah, I, it was so funny because the kids were just so puzzled because all they knew was American Badass. None of them knew Sad but True. And so I got my little hipster moment. I'm like, no. This is real music. <laughs> oh, oh man, but like you had asked me about some of those songs. Like, um, I don't know if this is like just something I just thought of and I'm totally wrong. It popped in my head, but I was listening to this album earlier today and like my friend of misery, I was looking at the lyrics for that and the song. Sure. It was written like 30 years ago, but the song, the lyrics make me think, of the guys that sit in their trucks and record YouTube rants <laughs> because it was like, you insist that the weight of the world should be on your shoulders. There's more to life than what you see. There's more to life than just what you're ranting about in your truck. Right. You know, I don't know. It probably doesn't really, the lyrics don't really correlate, but I just had that thought pop in my head. And I'm like, man, this sounds like they're like talking to those guys. Well, I mean, it does still, I mean, it does, uh, I'm reading them right now. Yeah, I can see that um, still being relevant. Yeah, you just stood there screaming, feeling no one was listening to you. Um, yeah, that's definitely something people fear, uh, that they're not being heard. They're not being yeah. listened to and taken seriously. And so, yeah. Um, uh, um, I don't want to get too political. Sorry if I just <laughs> no, not at all, threw dude. that out there. Dude, um. I don't know your films on TikTok, but like I get so tired. Like I stupidly, I'd seen some really funny ones. So I was kind of, I hadn't downloaded the app, but I was 
clicking on a lot more. And then I started seeing all these rants. And I was like, I don't care about this. Like, shut up. Like, this is not, um, and almost made me unfollow somebody just going like, why are you sharing all this crap? It's not cool. It's not, it's not entertaining. Um, I think the way I first heard about TikTok was actually, it was Danko Jones. I follow him on Instagram. And I think his Instagram stories were like these fails where it was people just doing stuff in their house. And like, obviously they end up like, I don't know, it's a fail. So, so they end up botching whatever they're going to do. And I think those were TikToks that he stole. And it was like quarantine day one. Here's this fail video. And so that was how I found out about TikTok. But now I guess is people like lip syncing to songs and stuff. Yeah, there's that. There's a lot of dancing. There's just all kinds of stuff. But there's definitely plenty of people ranting. And I'm like, I don't, I don't hmm. want that. Um, yeah, just give me the silly stuff. Right. right. Well, that's exactly what I want from that kind of thing. Like if you can make it cohesive and like write it down, it might, I might be more likely to listen to it. But like um, I don't want just a one minute angry thing and where I don't feel you can really get to the point. Um, <laughs> but I, I noticed one thing. I'm, I'm on the Wikipedia of Black Album. My Friend of Misery is the only one credited to Jason Newstead on the album. Yeah. Yeah. I noticed that, too, because uh, I noticed the writing credit. But like uh, there's something that stood out to me recently. I watched that uh, the one about. A box set from 93 that had uh, the concert from uh, uh, the Black Album tour and then it had a Justice for All tour and um, I think it said bass doodle and the bass doodle was him uh, doodling uh, the intro to this uh, song My Friend of Misery so it's not like they did the full song but at least it got thrown into the set somehow which I thought was cool that is cool yeah um I mean, doesn't the song start with that? The do 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 do. I can't do it right. Yeah, but, yeah. But his it starts bass, with yeah. bass. Yeah. yeah. Um, and that was probably the first. I think one he only had comment. like two credits, right? He had that song, and then where the wild things are, and those are the only two credits that I think he got in oh, his wow. like a tenure in the band. I want to say. Yeah, that's definitely one thing they did better down the road was they just I think. Uh, starting with San Anger, which is a whole nother beast, but they started just crediting the band, I think, as a whole. I want to say, if it wasn't that, it was Death Magnetic. Somewhere in there, they realized it was just healthier to not focus so much on, well, Lars wrote this one mostly in, in James. Um, it was kind of the whole band collaborated, so let's all get credit. Yeah. Because, yeah, Jason definitely is an incredible bassist and a really good backup singer like for their style. It's so important, and that was one thing they missed a lot for a while there because I don't think Kirk can sing a whole lot. He definitely doesn't have the menacing voice that Jason did. So, um, so yeah. I, uh, <laughs> yeah. Speaking of that, have you been following a lot of those Metallica Mondays? I know we're getting off on a tangent, but these Metallica um, uh, Mondays where they'll post a old show on YouTube for a week. And then the next week they'll post another one and they keep, uh, showcasing different eras of the band. I I see them pop up and I might watch a video or like a song or two, but I haven't watched a whole one. I need to, but I haven't. I've watched about, I think they're up to like week 19 now, which is awesome. I'm so glad to keep doing it. But uh, there was one, I can't remember what it was, but um, I think Jason actually sang a whole uh, song. It might've been Seek and Destroy uh, at some a show in the early 90s. Yeah, so so I thought it was cool. I knew he did some backing vocals, but 
I thought it was cool that he just sang a whole song. Oh yeah. Um, well, it's like a, a lot of his stuff is um, kind of like almost like the chants and stuff that you would hear, like um, uh, for whom the bell tolls and just, you know, just other things like, but it just adds so much to, and um, you know, like I said, uh, not crapping on Kirk, but I don't think he can really do a whole lot with that. Um, yeah. The funniest clip, if you ever get a chance to watch some kind of monster uh, documentary is this one thing and it's so nasally sounding and it's not really how he sounds all the time, but at that point, it's like, you know what I think is complete bull crap? And that's about how it sounds. And so, like, that was just, like, something that... Me sounds Greg... like a valley girl or something. <laughs> yeah, definitely not. <laughs> Maybe not that extreme, but it definitely... It was just hilarious. And, like, the next clip, like, not long later, is, like, Kirk um, riding horses. And it was just... Like, I remember there was a YouTube cut of that that was just, like, Kirk, the sensitive soul, or something like that. And I was like, oh my God, y'all are, being, y'all are just being hateful now. Uh, I just thought it was just funny out of context, the uh, him doing that. But I know it was, I think, him being mad at um, Lars because of the no guitar solos on St. Anger. But um, but anyway, yeah. Um, so back to Black Album. Um, I love My Friend of Misery. I didn't appreciate that one years ago. Um, but in more modern days, I do. Um, don't tread on me. I love because it starts with that almost old school, like almost sounds like a almost like a military march kind of snare drum thing that I love because I'm a drummer and that's just something that I really like. Um, and Struggle Within does something not the same, but kind of has a, a different kind of drum feel too. So those two always kind of stood out to me as a drummer. I was just like, this this is really cool. Um. Because I can't do the double bass stuff that Lars does at all on a drum set, but I can definitely do a lot of the snare work. Yeah, like I know what you're talking about on that Don't Tread on Me. And I thought at first when I was listening to that earlier today, like I just wrote down uh, that it sounds like it could have fit well on Injustice for All. Yes, it does. It's even the lyrics, you know, kind of going along with like some of the uh, themes of the album too. Like it kind of feels like it could be on that album, and um, it would fit real well, I guess. It would. It's probably the only one that has any kind of resemblance to that style of them. Wouldn't I would think? Um, Because they really tried things so much to do it so much different. Yeah, because, like, I guess, like, I was thinking about this. Like, I've always felt this way. Like, uh, um, the Black Album is a metal album. Like, it's not like they totally, like, change their style and they're uh, throwing in keyboards and doing, like, a pop album. <laughs> no. It's still, it's still a metal album. All they did was more, like, streamline their sound, yeah, into, like, shorter songs. And I noticed something today, too, uh, that Struggle Within, that kind of... There's a part where they do some guitar part and it sounded like they could have like, maybe that was what you're talking about with uh, Kirk, um, his guitar solos and stuff. It sounded like, I think I even noticed that's only like a three minute song too. So it's real quick, but it sounds like there's some part where they're doing this guitar part that builds up and boom, it just moves on to the next part of the song. And I'm like, man. That probably would have been some kind of artsy or like, you know, progressive guitar, like solo part, but it just got chopped out. And I felt like if that was in there, if they did more in the middle of that song, it could have fit well on like Master of Puppets, too. It had that sound like battery or Mm -hmm. something. 
But, I always, um, that's one thing I always loved about the 80s was how it almost would feel like two different songs because, you know, you'd um, go into like a kind of classical metal kind of sound, maybe like the middle of the song before you get all fast and heavy again. Um, it would have been kind of cool if you could have heard that on one of these songs, like not to critique this a whole lot as like anything negative towards it, but that that would be interesting. Like I really, that would be what I would love to hear on a re re-release is like, different versions of these songs um like maybe before they chopped them down to a shorter one or like i was watching once again in that documentary the um black album the classic album thing was when you have a soundboard and you can pull down all these different things because like when the old school soundboards it's got like a hundred things to um a hundred like faders and stuff yes yeah and so like they faded out and like all these some guitar sounds were just like in the background you can barely even hear them and the actual hmm. regular mix, but it's like, man, that'd be kind of cool. Like, I want to hear that version. I'm not saying it's the version that should exist, like as the only one or as the primary one, but it it, it would be pretty cool. Yeah, like I'm actually uh, really excited uh, if they do like a reissue or like a deluxe of the Black Album because I know they've done uh, Kill 'Em All, Ride the Lightning. I think came out at the same time. Then they did uh, the Master of Puppets, and I think last year might have been in Justice for All or something, where they, you know, have like the three discs, or you get this huge like digital thing with all these, uh, like I guess uh, like 70s, uh, 80 songs, or like a vinyl box set. Oh. I really want that for the Black Album because I feel like those like demos or something. I feel like there's. Uh, yeah, maybe some of those structures of songs that maybe they condense down. So you, it could sound like a totally different album if you just go by the demos, I feel like. Oh, I imagine. Maybe I'm hoping that that's what they have, I guess. Um, um, I don't know. Like, I don't know if they'll get to that maybe next year or something to go along with like an anniversary of it. Oh, yeah, it'd be perfect timing if they did it. Um, <clears throat> I, I haven't gotten the extent. Like, I got the re-releases, like the re mixes but i didn't get any of the extra stuff on any of those albums but i did purchase all the 80s ones because i wanted just to hear a maybe more cleaned up version of the albums um and the 80s stuff like i don't know if i even had a lot of them like legitimately um so um you know a lot of them i just had on cassette that I'd gotten from a cd but um but yeah but, but anyway the I'm going to get lost if I don't go straight there. Uh, Beatles. Um, I love what the Beatles have been doing with theirs, where they have like all these different versions of it. And like, sometimes it's even like so rough that like they just like stop and start talking during it. But it's just so cool to hear all the alternate takes of like, like say something like the white album. Like there were like a hundred different little things on there where that you could listen to. And some of it was crap, but some of it was really, really cool. Um, Hearing the, like just the end the studio banter, um, hmm. I so haven't I heard any of that, but I know that they have. Like I've seen those get released, like the huge deluxe packages of those. But yeah, that does sound cool. Just hearing kind of this, I guess behind the curtain stuff. Right. Yeah, there were like a couple times like they just busted out laughing and had to like restart, um, or like John just felt he needed to say something, so he just started talking, and it was just very entertaining. Like it's. Um, I, I've never bought one of those extreme editions. Like I've gotten like the two disc versions, but like 
for those like it gets insanely expensive to get the all that extra so i just listen to it on uh, one of the apps because i'm like i'm not paying a hundred dollars for an album i'm just not doing it yeah that's what i've noticed about apple music i don't know if amazon's the same way but apple music they do have like i i didn't listen to the whole thing but i know the master of puppets ones has at least like it says basically there's like six discs like worth of material all on there and uh there's like a live album basically there's the demo version there's a regular version there's like huge like huge amount of stuff and i like how you can still kind of listen to that without i guess getting the whole thing you can sample it right yeah that's what i have done on spotify or amazon music with these like extreme editions of the Beatles stuff. Cause I'm like, I got like the double version of Abbey road, but I'm like, I'm not paying to get like the four or six disc. Um, because I mean, honestly, a lot of that stuff's good for like one listen, but not like, it's not something I'm going to revisit yeah. over and over again. Um, whereas the album, of course I could, but, um, so yeah, we've talked about several of the different ones, obviously unforgiven. So unique for this album um because i mean they're still screaming in it but like it's very slow and almost like western sounding at times which was really Ooh, cool. i'm glad you said western sounding because that's something that i've picked up on the last couple of years and like it's my favorite song on the album really uh, but the western thing i thought of is like you know how they use uh that uh, the theme from the good, the bad, and the ugly, the ecstasy of gold, or mm-hmm. what ecstasy of gold. That's like their kind of walk on music. You hear that before every concert. Right. I feel like the Unforgiven is like their version of that, um, but as a metal song. That's just what it sounds like to me. Like it's got the little, almost like the acoustic y part or something. Mm-hmm. And then the way the drums are just kind of sound like a, I don't, I don't want to butcher that composer's name, but Morricone, I think, uh, it kind of sounds very symphonic in a metal song. So, so it made sense to me like, oh yeah, these guys looked up to that kind of like style of music. So it makes sense that they'd want to, I guess, try their own version of it. Right. So I kind of had wished that that would have been on one of the S&Ms. Or something, but I don't think they ever did that specific song. Oh, uh, you're talking about uh, Unforgiven? Yeah, because maybe I think didn't didn't Michael Kamen already do some strings on the album? He did, but they are yeah. so subdued. Like I, I would love to hear an alternate version where you can actually hear it a lot more. Yeah, because um, he says that's why he was so shocked when he got asked to do S and M, um, because like they'd reached out to him or probably Bob Rock reached out to him or something for, to see what he could do. And like, he sends them that for the unforgiven and he hears nothing back from him. And so like, he's not even sure if they used it until like after it comes out. And then he's like, listen, it's like, well, I hear it, but it's barely there. And so then he hangs out with them and is like, kind of pitches to them. Hey, you should do a whole show with like an orchestra. And then he says like eight years goes by or probably more like seven years before he actually hears back, hey, let's do that. <laughs> it's like, oh, you're all of a sudden interested all these years later. Um, but um, 
Yeah, there is. Does look like there's some like classical stuff that's gonna be on S and M too. Um, I think on the second disc, it looks like. Um, yeah, there's like two actual classical pieces on there. Mm-hmm. And I just saw something today that I didn't know. I know Unforgiven uh, three, Unforgiven thrice or whatever <laughs> is on right. the S and M two. Uh, but I just saw that uh, the version that's on there is just uh, James and the orchestra. Like the rest of the band don't play Ooh. on it. So that'll be kind of interesting. Yeah. Yeah, one of my biggest disappointments was Unforgiven 3. And sorry, I, I know we were all over the place. And that's, that's my fault. But um, like there's piano at the beginning. And I was just like, man, I wish this like went throughout the whole song. Because it was just so cool and so different. I mean, it wasn't like, you know... 80s keyboard that too many bands did in the 80s but like it was you know classical piano sound and that's just such a cool thing to add yeah like texture to it i guess Mm -hmm. so um what about um wherever i may roam do you do you dig that song yeah that one actually has a cool like vibe to it too like uh i'm trying i don't know how to explain it because i'm not very musical but uh yeah like I don't know. Like, it's just got a different vibe to it than some of the other, uh, like, you know how I'm saying? Like, oh, some of these songs could fit on that album. I don't think that song could fit on the other albums, but I'm glad that it's on the Black album. Like, it feels at home on there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's one, I, I can't really describe it either. I know it's kind of almost got like a, um, an Eastern kind of sound, like a, um, like I think it's got sitar maybe on there. Or it sounds almost like it could, um, but it's it's very, um, very different. Um, but through the Nevers one, I didn't appreciate until modern years, like maybe like the last ten years or so. That was one that I didn't listen to as much. Yeah, like same for me too. That's one where I think back when I first heard the album, I loved it. But then as I listened to it more, uh, I was like, I just want to get to uh, certain certain songs mm-hmm. or something. But then that was one where it was probably around the time the Through the Never movie came out, I was like, well, why are they naming their movie after that song? And then, like, and then I kind of didn't really, wasn't like, oh, well, eh, it's Through the Never, whatever. But then after, I guess, I watched that movie and was getting into that, then I'm like, well, like, I wish they would have had that in there. (laughs) Because the song is kind of cool. Like, it's a very in-your-face. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it almost it almost has a different vibe than a lot of the other stuff too. So it's it's a really cool album with a lot of um, creativity that you will of course hear way more of on uh, Load and Reload. But like, I am so happy they actually you know went with it. I hate that it <laughs> got as ugly as it did in the studio, and I cannot imagine spending nine months in the studio, which is what they did for that album. Um, like that would have to like take years off your life, like the sleep schedule they were doing, um, like probably even more than tour. And just because, um, sorry, I keep going back to the documentary. But, uh, James said that, you know, he wanted to work uh, like during the day and still get outside and get some sun. But Lars only wanted to work like at night and then he'd sleep all day. Um, and then like Bob Rock just had to be there at all times just to capture anything that happened. But one thing for sure on this album, they, actually recorded in the same room whereas in the past they had not 
Yeah, I think that was in the article too. Like they would just record their parts, but then he wanted to get like more of that kind of live like feel of like, all right, you guys are going to be here together. Mm-hmm. Um, there's something else that I was just reminded of now that I forgot about that I, I guess would have been good to maybe watch before, but I forgot about it. It's like, I think there's another documentary. It's like a year and a half in the life of Metallica. And I think that goes into this album too. Oh, okay. I'm going to Google that and see if I can find that. Yeah. Like I just forgot about it and all of a sudden, boom, like the little cartoony light bulb went over my head right now. I'm sorry. I'm quiet. Cause I was writing it down. Cause my memory is not what it used to be. Um, <laughs> uh, there's even uh, something on that box set too that uh, that I had watched recently with the with the, the concert from the Black the Purge? Is that the one that you have? Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, Binge and Purge. Uh, I, there's a thing before that um, Black Album concert where it says Metallica movie, and it was like a 20 minute thing. And I guess that was something. I don't think they had an opener on that tour. They just showed that 20 minute. Um, little movie. Oh wow! But is that what that's from? The Binge and Purge one that you're talking yeah. about? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's one I've never seen. I mean, I, I saw it in music stores growing up, and always thought that looks really cool. I want it, but it was always so expensive, so I never got it. Yeah, I've gotten like a uh, within the last ten years, they have like a shortened or like a condensed version where it's like. You know, the Fat Boy CD plastic cases where it would yes. <laughs> usually like the one I'm thinking of right now is like Melancholy and the Infinite Sadness, where you'd open it up and it would have the two discs. They have something like that where it's got an extra little tray in there. So it fits all five discs in there. Oh, wow. OK. So you don't have the, the VHS version one? No, <laughs> uh, no, I don't have the treasure box like style. Yeah, I remember seeing that one, but I was remember always seeing that price tag and i was like yep not getting that yeah because i'm like a kid i didn't really have a whole lot of money at the time and then like i said when i got a job most of my money was still going to like pro wrestling uh pay-per-views like 30 bucks or something to watch those things so it's like man i don't know how i was buying all those pay-per-views like sorry to go off on another tangent but no that's fine yeah um I don't even know where my money went growing up. I guess it was a mixture of music and uh, video games because I didn't have the wrestling thing and um, we didn't go to like yeah, video games were like 50 bucks a pop. Right. So um, I think they were like they 50 like... or 60 even back then. Yeah. Um, but I never paid full price. I always waited till they gotten like the greatest hits thing, which for a long time with the Nintendo was like 40 bucks, which is still a lot of money, but it was a little more reasonable. Even CDs back then, too, like 20 years ago, were still like 20 bucks, right? Just for like a single CD. Yeah, if you had to go to a specialty store, they weren't quite that bad at Walmart. But, of course, Walmart had a much smaller collection. Yeah, Sam Goody or FYE. Yeah, I remember spending my worst um, purchase ever, probably music-wise, was I was obsessed with... um, (laughs) I was obsessed with uh, Fatboy Slim's uh, Rockefeller Skank, like... I loved that. And like, I mean, mainly because me and one of my buddies in high school, we danced to that. Like we had a a little routine we could do. And so like, I listened to his version several times, just the single. And that's what Uh, I should have got. Christopher Walken's dance. No, that was a later one. That was weapon of choice. Um, Oh, okay. No, this was, 
um, uh, Funk Soul Brothers, what it sounds like, what should have been the name, but for some reason they named it Rockefeller Skank. Um, but like I, like I said, should have just gotten the CD single, but for some reason I went for it and I got the $20 version and it is a horrible album as a whole. Like there's nothing like that's not something I want to sit around and listen to very much. And 20 bucks of my Christmas that year was <laughs> that album. Luckily the other one was um, Queen Greatest Hits. Uh, but <laughs> but I remember like being like so disappointed. I'm like, yeah, have fun dancing to this song. But the rest of it I listened to just a few times and realized I'm not really into that style of music. Um, so no, I don't, I don't even know where we came up with our dance from. Like, I don't know if it, um, came from something or just happened, but we'd be on band trips, uh, cause we both played drums and we'd be on the bus just dancing. Um, it was one of those things where you're seated and you'd get in trouble if you got up. So we would just like do seated dancing. So it was a lot of arm and shoulder stuff. <laughs> yeah. It's, um, if I ever get into TikTok, I'll, I'll show y'all, but that probably is not going to happen. You should do TikToks. <laughs> no, I am probably going to give in and get an Instagram soon just because I hear just so much more positivity through that than Facebook and um, Twitter. So I figure I'll probably eventually set up that for too long. Well, you need to follow Danko Jones then uh, for his oh, like, oh, I will. silly sure. stuff. Yeah. Because I, I still have, I still keep forgetting to listen to his new album. I've listened to most of his other words, uh, other albums, but not that one for some reason. Even though we're talking about Metallica, sorry, I keep. I feel like <laughs> I'm like going on your show talking about tangents and stuff. Dude, so this is uh, well, I've done this whole out oh, this whole album, this whole episode. I've done that a lot, so it's not a problem. Um, well, do you have any closing thoughts on Black Album? Do you have any? Um, um actually, yeah. Okay. Uh, Closing thoughts. I actually think this might be their their best album. I know it's the biggest like selling album and it's still on the charts, the billboard charts for like I don't know. I don't think it ever left. It's like the biggest selling rock album ever. Uh but I feel like this might be uh their best album too. I know people would say Master of Puppets maybe or like Ride the Lightning, but I think this how we're saying it's got uh, there's stuff like Unforgiven and then even uh, like Nothing Else Matters. There's some textures in there that aren't uh, – they're still metal, but I don't know. I feel like it's like uh, they're just expanding their sound in another way, and it's uh, cool to me. I don't know. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, another side note I just thought about was Nothing Else Matters. Uh, apparently, according to that documentary, he – didn't James was just working with that song as just a very personal thing. He wasn't planning on it for the record. Um, but the guys overheard it and like he was embarrassed and then they're like, I like this. And next thing you know, is this Metallica song. He's like, it was just something for him and his girlfriend. That's what he was working on. Um hmm. and um so yeah, it was um pretty cool that I ended up on there. That was one of the first songs I actually um took the time to learn how to actually sing a little better because my Metallica voice was so um, exaggerated. And back when I was younger, I don't know if I could do the gruffness, but I would just kind of like almost sing them bass style, which is ridiculous because that's not even how the songs are. But I guess because I could, didn't think I could carry a tune, that's just what I would do. <laughs> um, yeah, like, I, like Jim Brewer singing his 
his stuff like gets really <laughs> exaggerated. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> but like I would I would do the little lower because I guess because I remember trying to hit notes during puberty and you know your voice cracking while you're like I'd be singing in church. So my my fix for that was just singing everything bass and. <laughs> It um, couldn't have been good, but I remember uh, Nothing Else Matters was one I actually took the time to actually try to hit the notes and stuff. I would spend a lot of time outside with my little crappy cassette player um, and be walking my dog singing that song. And um, yeah, it was just, it was a lot of fun. Um, so yeah, th this album means so much to me because it was one that I I listened to a ton walking my dog, listened to it just in my room, just being a kid and teenager and then like um on the school bus where i was just like trying to be anywhere but that because by high school middle school and high school the bus ride was just miserable so i was just wanted to drown everybody out so metallica was a great thing to do that just crank it up <laughs> you'd see the other people but you really otherwise weren't too aware of them yeah it's like i don't know like i'm saying that this would probably be like my favorite album but I don't know if Metallica is still my favorite band anymore. But like right. every time I listen to them, I still feel like that 14 year old that's like, yes, Metallica. Like, I don't know. It's like, I don't know, one of the best feelings ever. So. Yeah, it's so exhilarating. Um, I feel so happy that I was actually able to see them on the Death Magnetic tour. And uh, that was just like, such a dream come true because um i remember growing up and not well <laughs> well i wasn't allowed to go to concerts for like not rock concerts growing up but then like i go to college and like my money was so like non-existent for like expensive shows so like i would go to like maybe 30 dollars shows at the most um maybe 40 definitely not you know close to 100 but i remember getting a tax return and uh and like two i guess that would be 2000 eight or nine or whatever and like they had just announced um a, a atlanta date for um death magnetic and i was just like i am gonna use a big portion of my tax return for a ticket <laughs> and so um i want to say fees all in it was like 86 bucks um but it was so worth it and i went with um my good friends uh greg sam and andrew chandler fraser garner um that is his full name. It's just fun to say. Yeah, that always um, makes me laugh. That name. It's like... <laughs> um, but yeah, we it was just the four of us went to that show. I think we crashed with my buddy Sam, uh, Sam, not Sam, um, Keith, uh, for that weekend. But it was like we were just kids, like um, uh, just loving that show. And I remember it was just one of the coolest experiences. And like even a, a ridiculous song that I don't typically dig one of their covers. I was just like, we were all screaming along with just because it was so cool to see Metallica play it. So, um, yeah. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't say they're my favorite band anymore either, but they are so high up there and there's such a nostalgia factor for them more so than pretty much any other band, um, at least of from my childhood that, yeah, they just, I can go back to it, um, any time and like i know i did a tiny bit of research but i remember uh andy and i we threw this episode together this just this week like literally the tail end of the week we planned it and i didn't feel anxious about it because like i know this album like i watched the documentary just for fun just to have a little more context 
and I listened to the album a few times, but like I know this album really well. So it was just um it wasn't like I have to do with some of the other stuff. Yeah. Um yeah, for sure. I think it was just like two days ago, right? Because I've been meaning to ask you, and then finally, I, 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 I told you I'm bad about scheduling. I'm, I, and I sometimes I'm afraid people's schedules might not work out. And so I was just like, well, screw it. Just ask him. He'll probably not be able to for a couple of weeks, but whatever. Let's just, let's just see. And when you said, sure, I'm like, yeah, let's, let's do this. So, yeah. Um, so, yes, uh, I guess I'll get back on track with, all right. So I know for a fact one coming up will be me, Greg, and Russell of scheduling everything works out perfect, where we're going to talk about load and reload. Um, I'm not really sure how many other ones we'll do, but um, or that I'll do, but definitely at least three, maybe four, maybe five, just depends on how I'm feeling. And um, but we're definitely going to do some more Metallica. Um, I'm back uh, planning to. Sorry, what were you going to say? Oh, I was going to say like I feel like yeah, not just with your. Uh... Uh, podcast like doing a Metallica series but I feel like it's a good time to be a Metallica fan right now too because uh how we were talking about S&M coming out later this mm-hmm. month I feel like next year like I hope they do that Black Album reissue because it would not only be like what's that I'm bad with math it would be like 30 years but I think they're coming up on 40 years as a band too so I feel like, like not just with the anniversary stuff but there's just a lot of stuff coming out now that like aren't they even slowly working on an album and they did that um they redid blackened which you told me about that was cool oh man so, that was so cool because it was like a acoustic kind of version of it and like clean vocals not the aggressive vocals it was really cool yeah like it just feels like i'm just super hyped up about metallica right now uh and then your show i'm like yes yes let's do it right now this is a good time <laughs> to do it yeah, I was already getting pretty popped, uh, pepped up about it, but then, yeah, the announcement of S&M 2 and then hearing that um, new version of All Within My Hands, which I already knew was a good song when done well, because um, they'd done it at a bridge show, uh, bridge school show in like 07 or 08, but like hearing with the orchestra too, that was so cool. So those are definitely coming down the line. Um, I, I guess I need to announce it on here. Um all right. Obviously, um, on Twitter, right this second, I'm Sunday Groove PTB. I might tw- uh, 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 tweak that a little bit, but um, if you know it's me, you'll see me talking about my show, of course, or you'll um, see it also says David Sunday underneath. But anyway, um, I'm now going to be on a new podcast network. You'll actually hear this on a new podcast network called Lillo, L-I-L-L-O kind of like j-e-l-l-o sorry now that i'm thinking about <laughs> bill cosby and that's bad um but anyway um let's power through that but it it comes from a little joke of <laughs> of it comes from a joke of um like little old um just being said lillo i'm not sure where that came from i just remember my friends talking about that for a in the past and so it was only appropriate that that's the name of the network but yeah it's lillo podcast network and um, right now, I know we're on Podbean. I'm sure we're on iTunes. I think we're going to come to other things. Um, there's a debut episode with Russell, Sam, not Sam, uh, Russell, Todd, <laughs> Greg, and Nick on. Um, but yeah, it kind of explains the network and how that kind of came about. This will obviously be on there. Um, ton of new stuff coming with you. Even Todd's going to do a music show. 
um, where I think he's going to interview local musicians because he's out in California and he's a professional musician. So it makes sense. Um, oh, so that's cool. going to be cool. Um, Sam and Russell will be doing their uh, 90 to nothing again, um, where they examine 90s movies and see if they hold up. Um, so there, there's a ton of new stuff coming out. Um, some stuff I'm sure I don't even know about yet that they'll be doing, but I, it's an exciting time. Um, it's going to be kind of cool to have a new feed. That, um, but I will say, like, um, I still encourage you to go listen to Place to Be Nation. They both are popping their wrestling feed. All my old episodes currently, as of today, looks like they're still on um, on the Podbean version of um, of uh, Place to Be Nation Pop. So if, you, if you're ever bored and you really want to dig into it, not saying you would, but if you did, um, I do have all 25 episodes still on that available if you want to listen to them or go to the placebenation.com and you can access the shows that way but um there's a lot of old episodes but um it was just time for me to relaunch the show and do something more regularly so i'm really going to push myself to try to at least hit the once a month mark i don't want to push myself too hard and burn myself out because i could easily do that but i've been been on too many little hiatuses where it's like three or four months between episodes so i understand if that you know if i lost some listeners that way but I'm going to do better, at least try to do better and do more regular, and please reach out, um, uh, even if it's just um, very minimal, but like reach out on Twitter. I'm going to, like I say, if I start Instagram, it'll be some version of David Sunday and Sunday Groove, so it will be very easy to find, but it's just fun to hear from people. Uh, uh, I'll even take re- suggestions for episodes. Actually, that's how Andy and I started before Andy was ever on the show. He would, You'd give me ideas. Um, isn't that right? Am I misremembering? Yeah, like I think so. Cause you were uh doing something and I was like, Oh, are you gonna do like soundtracks or something? I think you eventually did, but then like I've even bounced some topics off you, like, cause didn't you say you wanted to do something on like nineties pop music? And I was like, Well, let's do it like a fake top forty. <laughs> yes. So so it was kind of cool to collaborate with you and kind of like uh, bounce ideas off each other because it wasn't my own show and I didn't want to uh, seem like I was making it, you know, my idea. But it was cool that we kind of, you know, uh, figured it out together. Yeah, it was always fun. I remember, um, not to get too far off, I remember like um, I knew of Andy from um, being one of Greg's uh, Alterbridge fan friends um, that he knew from um, the wrestling blogs and everything. So, yeah, so we met somewhere in there along those. I don't know how many years ago, but yeah, we've, it's been a lot of fun. Um, do you remember? Yeah, I think you might've started your show. Was it late 2016 or was it 2017? It was um, either July or August of 2017. Um, Cause I think I already had a show with Tim and then we kind of took a hiatus too. And I think when we kind of came back, then that's when your show was on. And then, so yeah, I got introduced to you that way. Yeah, um, so it was um, been a lot of fun. So I'll, I know I'll have a lot of guests over the time. Um, I, like I said, I know um, I'll have Andy back for sure. I'll have Russell and Greg. Um, who knows who else I'll have? Um, but very, I'm very excited for it. I, I growing up, I wanted to be a music uh, like a DJ or whatever, or something of that matter, or work on a music magazine. Or dream job would have been like, uh, like if journalists still like toured with bands you know to like capture everything that would have been like you know dream job but 
obviously I went a different route, but um, this is definitely a passion of mine in a way I can dive into everything. So um, I guess, was there anything else? Sorry, I keep going back to my paper because I forget things left and right. Um, no, I think that's it for me. Anything from you, Andy? Metallica. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, that's actually something, uh, too. I've only done karaoke a few times, but there was one time I actually did fuel as a joke and I turned it into a joke and I was just doing the ooh, yeah. Yeah. So, so it was fun to just do that. But then, like, my throat hurt afterwards because I think I wasn't doing it from the diaphragm. I was just tearing up my throat. Right. Yeah. I don't think I can do Metallica stuff from my diaphragm unless it's some, like, a, a more melodic song, like Nothing Else Matters. Um, everything else, I'm pretty sure I just am going to do too gruff and um, yeah, and just yeah. destroy it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, well, man, thanks for joining me for this episode. Um, everybody, like I said, subscribe to the feed on uh, Lilla Podcast Network on Podbean and Apple and all those places so, so you can hear everything as it and see everything as it comes out. I reach out on social media. Um, I guess that's it. So, um, I will catch y'all down the road. <laughs> <laughs>